Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. I am here with our fantastic financial writer, Jeremy Quitner. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So you and I work pretty closely together. Yes. We do. We do. Much to your chagrin. I know. <laughs> you always take my candy. <laughs> Um, but what the thing that you do best uh, amongst many things I is do like, something well. You do everything well. The thing that you do best is you do a really great job explaining financial concepts to people in a way that they can understand. So we're here to just break down a really important topic for Stash customers, but for anyone that wants to invest. And that is, what is a fund? That's a great question. Are funds fun? Funds are really fun. And I'll tell you what. Funds are basically a great way for uh, investors to who don't have a lot of money to diversify. Okay. Um, so basically a fund, when someone talks about a fund, it's an investment vehicle that has a lot of different stocks or bonds or some other security. You don't need a lot of money to invest in it, but you're investing with a number of other investors, thousands of other investors potentially. You put your small amount of money in with their money and it's pooled and invested across a broad spectrum of stocks or bonds or other securities. So it helps you get diversification with, you know, a little bit of money. So there's different kinds of funds. That's the other thing, too. There's not just one fund. Sure. Yeah. So the three major ones would be a mutual fund, an ETF, and an index fund. You could look at index funds and ETFs as sort of a subset of mutual funds. Okay. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. What is a mutual fund? So a mutual fund is, just as I was saying at the beginning, it is an investment vehicle that allows numerous people to take their money and invest in a broad variety of stocks or bonds or other kinds of securities. One of the interesting things about mutual funds is that there's something called a net asset value, okay, which that? is basically like a, a share price for the mutual fund. It goes up and down during the day. However, it is set at the end of the day, and you can only buy into and out of a mutual fund at the end of a day. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they're really great. They've been around for a long time. Um, one of the possible downsides of a mutual fund is they have uh, higher management fees. So they're oh, okay. actively managed. There are managers who create the fund, select the stocks that are put in it, yada, yada, yada. ETFs, on the other hand, are more like stocks. They are a form of mutual fund. They're sort of like, they're not really a form of mutual fund. They're f similar to mutual funds in that they're a collection of stocks. Um, however, you can trade in and out of them throughout the day. You don't have to wait till the end of the day to, you know, for this net asset value to be set. Um, so since you can trade out in and out of them during the day, they're more like stocks and people like the flexibility of that. ETFs also tend to follow what's known as an index. So what's an index? An index is like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which has 30 stocks in it, S&P 500, which has 500 of the most you know, prominent U.S. companies in it. Um, so ETFs tend to follow an index, which means that the stocks have been not pre-chosen, but they are you know, in an index. So sure. you don't have a manager choosing them. So the cost for an ETF can sometimes be lower. Index can be either a mutual fund or an ETF. Um, so there are mutual funds that are also index funds, and there are ETFs. Most ETFs are index funds. So I know that's a little confusing. But basically, um, you can look at ETFs as a subset of mutual funds, and indexes can be either an ETF or a mutual fund. Gosh, so this could be a little bit confusing. But one thing to think about, just to break it down, is that um, 
mutual funds can have higher management fees. Can I buy a mutual fund on the stock exchange or do I have to go someplace to buy a mutual fund? Typically, you have to go to a broker or an online broker to buy a mutual fund. Same with an ETF. Like you you can buy them. Basically, the easiest way for people to buy them would be through an online brokerage. Okay. Or on Stash. Or on Stash. Or on Stash. On Stash, uh, right now we have uh, exchange-traded funds. That's what we offer on Stash. ETFs, right. ETFs, Mm -hmm. exactly. And ETFs like on Stash and, and other places, they don't just have to be stocks. They can they also be bonds. They can be bonds. They can be real estate in what's known as a REIT. So right. that could be a REIT fund. No, right. REIT, right. REIT. <laughs> it's a REIT, right? It's exactly REIT. It's ex- <laughs> so a REIT is a real estate investment trust. Right. Um, and a REIT is um, a way to invest in real estate without actually being a landlord and having to yell at your tenants. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So yeah, uh, REIT would give you exposure to a variety of different companies that own or hold real estate. It can be malls, it can be apartment buildings, it can be any number of different things like that. So um, you can have, so can a REIT also be an ETF? Yes, you can have an ETF REIT. So there's a lot of ways to invest in a lot of things in one investment. Through, yes, through a fund, through a mutual fund, through an ETF. Yes. Mm -hmm. So why do some people prefer uh, an ETF versus a mutual fund? We talked about the cost difference, but is there any other difference? Sure, yeah. Well, mutual funds are like the granddaddies of the funds. They've been around for a really long time. ETFs are a newer development. I believe the statistic I read is, you know, there's like $15 trillion invested in mutual funds just in the United States. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and only $3 trillion invested in ETFs to give you a sense of how much younger they are. So, But ETF, oh. the growth rate in ETFs is much, much faster. People, they become very, very popular For over sure. the last five years. And one of the reasons is going back to this idea of there being primarily index funds, they're lower cost. You don't have the higher management fees that are typically associated with mutual funds because they're, or those are uh, primarily more actively managed. Got it. So they're cheaper. And a lot of people like the idea that you can trade in and out of them throughout the day. You don't have to wait till the end of the day to, for your money to go in or out. So you just mentioned something really important, which is active. I did? You did. What is actively managed versus passively managed? So actively managed means that there's a manager who's like looking at the stocks and sort of calibrating like what's going on in the market. Should we sell out of this particular stock? It's not doing so well. This one seems like it might be a better bet. Let's buy some more of that. Whereas with an index, it's like these 30 stocks are in the index. It's in the Dow Jones. And our stocks are just going to conform to what's in the index. So... That's an oversimplification. There are managers behind ETFs, sure. but they're, they don't take as active a role as the managers that are in mutual funds. So that's one of the reasons why actively managed fund will have higher fees because someone's right. overseeing the fund and optimizing performance, ideally. Yeah, exactly. So typically with a mutual fund, you have something called a 12B1 fee, which is an operations fee, uh, not operations, a fee for management and operations, which goes to the managers who oversee the fund. Those typically don't exist with an ETF. What you buy is what you get. However, for both, you'll have commissions, like you'll have to, you know, if you're buying through an online broker, for both, it'll be like their 7 to $15 charge. If you sell, you'll also be charged. Oh, wow. And those are things you have to pay attention to. All the fees that are associated with a fund, all funds have them. They're called management fees. And basically what you want to do is you want to make sure that your fees are kept at a, at a minimum. I think that's really important to everyone should always look at the fees, no matter what investment product they're using, because your fees will eat into whatever gains you make. That's so exactly even right. if you're in a market like the way we are now, which is doing pretty amazing, if you're getting killed on fees, you're not going to see the... That's exactly right. So basically what 
what it's called is an expense ratio, and every fund has an expense ratio. Oh, that's so, so smart. Tell yeah. me more about expense ratios. Yeah, okay. So basically, components of the expense ratio would be, uh, as I was saying, the 12B1 fee, which is also known as a load. There are commissions, and there are types of annual fees that might be associated with any fund, and you just have to be very, very careful when you're looking at that. So no matter what you choose, what kind of fund you choose, you should always feel pretty confident in knowing uh, what fees you're paying up front. That shouldn't be a question you should ever be afraid to ask. Sure. Well, there's something called a prospectus with every fund, and that is public information. And you should not buy any fund or shares in any fund without looking at the prospectus because the prospectus is basically the blueprint of the fund and it Absolutely. tells you everything that's you know, in at it. At Stash, we link to a prospectus in every single investment we have so people can actually take a deep dive in and, and see what it looks like. Yep, that's critical. You absolutely have to, you know, you should always do the reading before you buy anything. So absolutely. Know what you're getting into. If you, if you read before you buy something on Amazon, you should read before you buy a fund exactly. or a stock. Well, not only will it tell you what the expense ratio is going to be for a particular fund, it will tell you what stocks it's holding, what percentage of uh, each stock uh, composes the portfolio, who the manager is, if there is one, what their philosophy is. Sometimes it's following an index, which most CTFs are. It'll tell you what index it's following. So you can, you know, it will point you in a lot of other directions where you can dig in and really do the research. And before you buy anything, you should really definitely do the research. And some of the prospectuses, there's a little bit of jargon in there, but they, they do want you to understand what's in there. So you shouldn't feel intimidated by what's in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them are some of them are a little intimidating, but there's such a thing as Google. You can Google all the terms that you're not familiar with. God bless Google. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is my last question. This has been incredibly helpful to me. Why would somebody want to invest in a fund uh, versus um, a single stock? It's called diversification. So if you buy one stock, say Boeing is doing fantastically today. So you might say, wow, I'm going to buy some Boeing. Well, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. It went up today, but it can go down tomorrow. Sure. So you could instead buy a defense industry fund, which not only invests in Boeing, but you know all of its other competitors. You know there probably would be at least thirty or forty different kinds of stocks. Sure. So you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, to use the proverbial term. You're investing across the industry, so the fortunes of one company are not going to dramatically affect the entire sector. So. When you buy a defense industry fund that includes Boeing, you're investing in Boeing, but all of its competitors, and uh, you're basically spreading the risk around. You could also do this another way. You could buy a blue chip fund, which includes would include Boeing, but also Cisco or Caterpillar or Procter & Gamble. Sure, all the big names. Right. So you, know, you have a piece of Boeing, but you also have a piece of some of these other big name blue chip companies. And if for some reason the defense industry tanks in a particular quarter. No pun intended. Ha! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the opposite may be true for Procter & Gamble or Caterpillar. Uh, they may be going up. So you're spreading your risk around, and that's why. Another way to diversify with a fund is to have international funds. That's exactly right. So you can have an emerging market fund. You can have a fund that focuses on Europe, Asia. You can have funds that are global that encompass all of them. And again, the whole goal is to make sure that you're diversifying, that you have a piece of Europe and you have a piece of Asia and you have a piece of Argentina. And the idea basically is this is a further way to diversify and not link your fortunes and the fortune of your portfolio to one 
specific economy. So something else we haven't talked about that I think is important is that there are different kinds of philosophies for funds. Ooh, so, let's talk about that. Yeah. So these are called the values of the fund. And um, some of them might, for example, promote or only invest in companies that are great towards women. And the way that they would gauge that is by having a sense of, you know, how many women are in executive positions at these companies. Sure, sure. So there are ETFs that are devoted to making sure that women are empowered in the workplace. And similarly, that LGBTQ people are treated appropriately in the workplace. There are funds that are called values funds that would help investors who are interested in that kind of thing, not only in terms of women or LGBTQ people, but, you know, if you're interested in clean and green companies that are concerned about global warming, there are funds that are devoted to that, you know, reducing their carbon footprint, et cetera. So there are many, many different kinds of values funds. Is that um, the same as an ESG fund? That is, yes. Oh, so that's another word for yeah. it. So ESG is, um, what does that stand for again? Environmental, social... And goodness. And goodness. All right, we're going <laughs> to... Good. Environmental, social good. Yes, yeah. right. So there's a philosophy that a company can also make money while doing good. Yes, exactly yes. right. So, As a matter of fact, there's a lot of research that shows that companies that do focus on good and having a sort of social impact are more profitable than ones that don't in the long run. Yeah, so it's not just a do-gooder investment. No. It's actually your portfolio can perform well while you're also sticking to your values. Well, think of it this way. You know, companies that are focused on making sure that all of their, that they have a diverse employee set, that employees are happy, they'll do better and will be, you know, ultimately be more profitable companies is Absolutely. one simplistic way to look at it. And also um, there's different kinds of values funds. There are funds that focus on certain other kind of like religious values. I yes, know there's a Catholic exactly values. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you can find a fund that suits your interests and beliefs. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. For example, the Catholic values funds that you're talking about won't invest in so-called um, sin stocks or stocks that would produce alcohol or tobacco or, you know, be involved in other kinds of things that they would find objectionable. Sure. There's also like a vice ETF, which is kind of a lack of value exactly. stock. <laughs> Sorry, lack of, lack of values fund, which is okay too. If you think that that's where your interests lie in, you know, in vice stocks, you know, which could be alcohol, tobacco, other, movies. Yes, I, I'm not sure. Certain kinds of movies, maybe. Um, you, can, you can also put your money there, yeah, but, exactly. it, but you'd want to even in something like Vice, you'd still want to make sure you're diversified throughout the industry exactly. of Exactly. You don't want to make that your core holding. Probably. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. I, like in every other industry, trends and companies, you know, their fortunes rise and fall. And exactly. you want to make sure you're yep. spread across yep. the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you want to construct a portfolio using funds that will respond to the economy no matter what. So that, you know, counter-cyclical funds or funds that follow cycles, that no matter what's happening, you can make sure that you're profiting some way. Well, this has been incredibly helpful, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come talk to me today. Anytime, Lindsay. All right. We'll talk again soon. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com, and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast, and you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash, it's your money, simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. 
Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.